Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt. We are on Twitter. Are you? I'm on Twitter. Are you on Twitter, Kurt? I'm on Twitter. I'm Big you? Kurt on Twitter. I'm at B1GKURT. And I'm Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. We are recording this in the Downstairs Athletic Club, which is a nice... Some nice digs, if I do say so myself. I enjoy it. But there's some new digs in Champagne. Oh, there are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good transition there. I love it. I bet. Yeah, the Smith Center opened up. And everybody outside of Champaign is going to think this thing was named after Lovey Smith. It was not. It was named after a couple donors. But University of Illinois opened a new $80 million football-only facility. So is that – how unique is that? Uh, To do a football-only? Yes. It's – I'm not sure that I have a number for you, but it seems like it's kind of a toss-up, half and half maybe. Okay. Okay. Like half teams. I know Iowa has a football only, but then Northwestern's is all sports. Minnesota's is all sports. Um, but apparently amongst the football only, this is right up near the top of the list in the Big Ten. Um, mini golf course, bowling alley, barbershop. Of course, you got to have the sleeping pods, right? Sleeping pods are huge. That's like number one, I think, on the list. Uh, let's see what else. Each position group has their own meeting room, the stadium seating. It went all out. Oh, my gosh, they went all out. And uh, it's right off of their practice field. It connects to their indoor, and it's right uh, – it faces their outdoor. How close to the stadium? Um, I think it actually connects maybe to the – into the stadium. Okay. I, I'm not sure about that, but it's directly next to the stadium. General contractor delivered the, the project on time? Yep, basically on time. I mean, there was a couple little things they had to do a couple weeks after the opening, but it's – Completely done now from what includes athletic training, um, recruiting lounge. I mean, this thing looks beautiful. I'll go ahead and say it's the best one in the nation. No doubt. Hands down. Um, and, and, but in all honesty, it's getting rave reviews for being up there. It's getting rave reviews. It it is probably one of the better football only in the big 10. I mean, it's apparently Penn state has an awesome one, but by all accounts, like, uh, it's it's right up there with Penn State. And your, produces... your reign is over, Fitzcarlton. That's right. The mistake <laughs> by the lake is no longer dominating the facility wars. Hey, welcome to the year 2019, man. You guys were behind. Now you're not. Oh boy, were they behind? Like, yeah. so the only thing they weren't really behind in was their weight room. They had a pretty new, pretty good, like on par with everyone weight room, but everything else was just atrocious by Big Ten standards. And um, from what I've seen, which is basically following you on Twitter and stuff, uh, the looks on the faces of the Illinois players is, I mean, it looks like it was Christmas morning for them. Absolutely. And that was actually pretty fun to watch. Sure. They, they, they uh, didn't tell the players that they were going to get to see it that day. They called mm-hmm. a meeting. So and so the players were like talking to each other, like, uh, this sounds like something bad. Is something bad going to happen? And the, all they did was bring them into the facility and they broke through the doors and just, you know, filled the facility and ran through and tried out all the fun new toys. And I tell you what, um, that it, it obviously makes a difference just for, you know, recruiting development, and all that stuff. The way the timing of this, that's a little jolt of energy for the football team going in the season. Absolutely. And I love that they opened it right before Big Ten Network was in town. So now Big Ten Network actually today, they'll be playing the Illinois episode touring the facility, I assume. Um, Howard Griffith, Big Ten Network, he actually said, and he's, for those that don't know, he's not always been a big fan of the program. He said it's the best one he's seen in the Big Ten. That's like huge. he said, this and one's in the. And I'm assuming some people would see the comments from him and say, oh, well, he's an ex-Illinois player. Right. He doesn't dole out the compliments to Illinois that easily. No, there's there's a there's a, a love animosity between him and Illini fans. Okay. We don't necessarily feel like he's, you know. As big of a proponent as he should be. Right. Like, doesn't buy into the program. Right. Kind of. Okay. But uh, the one he said, maybe Penn State is better. And then he came back and said, no, no, Illinois is better. Point he was being, very impressed. So for me, for him to say that really means something. That's a big Because I, I did not expect that out of his mouth. Well, there you go. All right. So we have got a two-team podcast. This is the last two teams for the Eyes on Big previews this year. Um, so this will probably be a shorter podcast. But every time we say that, we jinx ourselves and then we go long. But we'll see how it goes. So we got the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. So first up, we got the Iowa Hawkeyes last five years, a record of 44 and 22, which basically works out to a nine and four 
season. The high is a 12 and two season in 2015. Last year, nine and four. Kirk Ferentz entering his 21st year at the university. So last year he surpassed uh, Hayden Fry for most wins. This year he surpasses Hayden Fry for most years at the school. Um, Phil Parker, defensive coordinator, been there for eight years. Eight years, been there the whole time. Was a defensive back coach before that. Been the defensive coordinator for a while now. Offensive coordinator is his son Brian Ferentz. What are we thinking about the Hawkeyes 2019? Well, up and down the roster, there's a lot to like here. This may be the best roster in terms of, you know, um, uh, least amount of holes, uh, seniority, things like that. But one thing sticks out to me. They lost 60% of their receiving yards. 59%, I'm sorry, 60% of the receptions, 59% of the receiving yards, 67% of receiving touchdowns, all from three guys. Yes. That How do they replace that? You don't. I just, I just, I think that's the correct answer, correct? Or at least, so that would get me right into. <laughs> okay, I just pre precursor. I'm gonna try not to make this a rant. You know, I, I'm talking about my favorite team here, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to. I just want you know, the listener. I'm, I'm gonna do my best to try to just be Switzerland, but I'm not. I'm not Switzerland. That's just kind of how it goes. Here's something that kind of drives me nuts. People just keep talking about. Well, how do you replace? The two mm-hmm. times there's no way they can replace them. The whole offense just shut her down. Okay. The reason that it's impossible to replace two tight ends because nobody's ever had two tight ends go. In no, the that first was round of the, so that was first. So quit expecting it to look like it did last year. It's never looked like it did last year. That's, no, it's not going to. That literally is the greatest tight end tandem. Yes. In the history of the Big Ten, it's not going to look like last. Year. So that's not going to happen. What I would suggest is. Maybe it goes back to like a 2015 year when you had a really solid tight end and another decent tight end behind that. Okay. That would be my starting point. It's been a few years since they've had a great tight end, though. Uh, I mean, George Kittle's pretty good. He could No, that's what I'm saying. It's been a long time since they haven't had a great tight end. Oh, haven't had. I thought you said have. Maybe I did. Okay. Yeah, no, and and I, I, I think they got a couple, one loading up. Sean Byer and Nate Weeding. Um, but do you think they can be on that elite level? So here is, I, this might be a little controversial, okay? This is my thought process. I don't think they're going to miss Noah Fant that much. Okay. Okay. Um, he was spotty. He drops, he dropped balls. Okay. I don't think he was a coach favorite. Really? That's okay. Just, yeah. That's, I, I could I, see that. I don't have I any. That. I don't have any behind the scene okay. situation. So don't at me with that. This is me reading through the tea leaves with stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I I don't think there's. It's a reach to say there were times where the spot he was supposed to be, the route he was supposed to to do, was okay. not what he was doing. Okay. 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 With that, be, and on top of that, I don't think they knew how to use him. Yeah. And that's part of it because what too. I just laid out. The other part of it might be the lack of creativity out of the offensive coordinator. That's a very plausible explanation on what. Why and I'll is. say he was no TJ Hawkinson. That would bring to my next point. That is who they're going to miss. They're going to miss TJ yeah. Hawkinson and easily the wide receiver more than they are Noah Fant. That's that's my thought process. Well, so can the the as I like to call them the Smith brothers? Can they pick up the slack and and get more outside receptions? Yes, they have to. Otherwise, they're going to have to, right? The, there's no offense this year. I believe don't. they both finished with 361 yards last year. Yeah, they they were which pretty is, much even in reception yards. Which and, is not and, bad, but it's not a ton either. No, it's not a ton. Um, th- my biggest question, I have two biggest question marks with with the the, re- the receivers, which is kind of just you know the whole passing game, is is who is the third down guy? Last year it was definitely T.J. Hawkinson, yeah. but that's no slight to easily. He was right there too as the third down guy. Sure. That's who we need as the third down guy. Or or w- w- what we need for the offense is, is who's going to be the third down. I think there are two people that are going to be very good uh, options for that. Brandon Smith was already working himself into that role last year. Mm-hmm. He is a big bodied wide receiver. Yeah. <clears throat> he's not going to he's not going to the fastest guy on the field, but fast enough, very big. There's a good option there. Then I would go back to the tight ends I just named. Nate Weeding and Sean Byer. Sean Byer is an extremely talented ex-wide receiver, turn tight end type okay. of guy, which is pretty much how George Kittle was, and believe it or not, Hawkinson as well. So th- I think between one of the two tight ends, if not both, and Brandon Smith, 
There's okay. your there's your guys. Another person that has caught the eyes of everybody, including people that were at the open practices, is Nico Regani. Yeah. He is stepping Been in. Been hearing his name. Yeah. yeah. And and there was a lot of talk that he is just a guy that just, quote unquote, just gets open. Okay. And then two or three sources that I trust watched him and they said, no, it's true. This okay. guy, quote unquote, just gets open. All right. You, hear, you heard it here. Nico Regani. Nico Regani. Now, another concern I have. They don't have they haven't been doing very well in yards per carry. Oh. Right? Yeah. And by the way, and then Amir Smith Marset, mm-hmm. that's your big play guy. Yeah. And, and good return guy too, right? Amazing returner, yeah. big time return of the year last year. I do not think he has ever found his role correctly okay. in this offense. That is on Brian Ferentz. Yeah. Gotta find a role for this guy because when he is in open space, he's a stud. He's proven that on the returns. Okay. Moving on to the running. Let's game. get to that. Because, you know, Iowa's known for this great offensive line and they put guys in the pros every year. Why can't they run the bar I ball more efficiently? There are a lot of uh theories. The biggest theory out there is that they are too committed to the zone running scheme. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And but a lot of teams are committed to the zone run and they have no problem with it. So if I'm trying to look at this glass half full. I do think there is a certain amount of there's just too many dudes in the box for the running game. Yeah. And part of the reason that there's that many run the people in the box is because you have two tight ends yeah, out there. All that's the time. probably could there be a situation that the dearth of ta- tight end that has left will force Brian Ferentz and some would say Kirk Ferentz into the situation where they run more personnel out of three wide receiver yeah. sets, get a guy outside the box, maybe that thing that opens things up for the running game. Okay. Let's let's take it a step further. Nate Stanley, we all agree, is one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I think he needs to take a step forward this year in, in terms of just being more consistent, like better completion percentage. Uh, don't have that game where you just crap all over yourself. Okay. Right? Yeah. So Because um, he seems to come up with those. I'm not every- disagreeing with anything you're saying right yep. here. I was curious about this. So before we recorded the podcast a couple days ago, you know, I've got a couple uh, – Text chains with a lot of uh, buddies on them. I got one that's eight guys, all Hawkeye fans, you know. And I said, I, I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Scale of one to ten, ten being, you know, extreme confidence. What, what do you guys feel about Nate Stanley mm-hmm. going into the year? Okay. I would say seven was the general consensus okay. from the crowd. I, I was curious. And there were some sixes in there, too. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think I'm at a six or a seven. Okay. Uh, it's weird. I mean, because they're probably we, we've co- we've pretty much coined the phrase "talk out of two sides of my mouth." I'm doing that with Nate Stanley. I, yeah. I admit it. I don't believe he gets enough credit across the Big Ten, maybe even nationally, as far as how good of a quarterback he is. With that being said, he's 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 got to tighten this thing down. He does. And it's in two things: completion percentage. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, fifty nine. It, it's got better last year. That did yep. take a, a step up last year. I think he went from fifty five to fifty nine last year. Yeah, right. So that's good. I mean, yep. once you get over around sixty, that's that's good. But the other side of it is just the it's the where the hell were you going with the ball? Yeah, he has those moments. I mean, and it's not uh, just a tough sit, uh, interception. It's a interception like we're just getting momentum back, right. And gives it away. That has when you are when you are a fourth year senior, third year starter. I'm not saying zero of those this year, but they should be drastically reduced. Yeah, you can't have the Penn State game that Chad last year and expect to win the West, right? Or Northwestern. Yeah. Um. Yes. That that is 100 percent the the case. With that being said, there have been big spots that he has stepped up. And oh yeah. Great. I mean, Ohio State a couple years ago, Iowa State a couple years ago. Okay. Um. It's just crazy because the stat that's out there, I don't have the numbers right off the top of my head, but when they win games, he's averaging like four touchdowns a game, right. or three and a half. And when they lose games, he's, he's averaging, I think, less than a touchdown a game. That is too much disparity. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, and then running backs, I feel fine about. Yeah, they don't have uh, one that jumps out at you, though. No, no. they don't. They're just um, okay. Makai Sargent. It's good. Yeah. I like him. Torn Young has yeah. apparently taken a huge step okay. up, but need to see it more. Ivory Kelly Martin is the third one. Um, we got to talk about offensive line a little bit, right? It's, sure. It's, it's Iowa. I, you I, have lo- to. I absolutely love the tackles. I mean, well, Alaric Justin Jackson. Justin Werbson, Alaric Jackson. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think it's amazing. They're very good. They, they're two of the better ones in the Big Ten, I would say. Now, how do you feel about the interior? Fine, but still not great. And yeah. I believe 
some of the what's going on with the the running attack can be attributed to the interior line. Okay. Um, Cole Banwart uh, should be very good this year, returning starter. So basically, Iowa has three returning starters on the offensive line. They yep. got a couple, the Paulson brothers, Tyler Linderblom. Yep. Linderbaum, excuse me, was a defensive tackle mm-hmm. last year. Uh, very quickly got recruited over to the offensive side of the ball. He has apparently taken to playing center like fish out of water, <laughs> which is water. which is interesting too because they. That's another knock I have right now is the depth on the defensive line. Offensive line. No, I'm talking on about defense. If line. you want to switch over to defensive line, I love their starters. How what, How is their depth looking? So we're switching to, to Let's defense. switch it up. Yeah. You're 100%. So this would be another comparison I would make to the tight ends and something that's just kind of been annoying for me as far as people bringing up, well, they're not going to have the depth that they did last year on the defensive line. I've been watching Iowa football since – 1990. Okay. They never had the depth that they had last year on the defensive line. Well, no, line. not like they had last. They they legitly legit went nine deep on the off, on the defensive line last year. So, if you pointed out the biggest losses, certainly uh, Anthony Nelson was a huge one. Did not see him going pro. I that that yeah that shocked a lot of right. fans. But when I watched rewatched some of the games, you know, in the last because I'm starving for watching football. The guys that I can name here, there were times where all four of the guys that I'm naming were on the field playing. Like they did defensive line and hockey shifts a lot of times okay. last year. So obviously we're talking about AJ Epinesa. I mean, I love Lindy's. So, I love Lindy's, but they don't list him as a returning. Well, starter. that's what I was, was going to stop you and say they they Lindy's lists no returning starters on the defensive line, but they all have what's your, a okay, lot of what, experience. I'll, what's your take on that? I. I don't by like going to, by the letter of the law. I don't or, like to look at returning starters. I like to look at returning production. So if you like returning production over returning starters, then oh. you should like the Iowa defensive line. Absolutely. Because AJ Epinesa is, it's either him or Chase Young, in my opinion, on the best defensive end in the Big Ten. I'd probably agree with you there. Now, he's obviously a playmaker. They're used to having that guy in the defensive backfield the last few years who's the playmaker. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thorpe Awards. Sure. Who's it going to be this year? So four. Of the last eight years, Iowa's had the Big Ten defensive back of the year. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just want to work that in. To, I don't blame you. To the podcast. Did, did you hear that Illinois opened a new facility? <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that. It's good. Okay. Um, okay. So basically, who's going to be the, the star yeah. in the, in the secondary this year? I think I have basically two choices. And I don't know which one I would choose, but I would choose either cornerback Matt Hankins or free oh. safety Geno Stone. Okay. Right. Who'd you think I was going to go? I was going to go. I thought you were going to go Ojemudi. Ojemudi is very, very good. Um, we would need a Josh Jackson type of jump out of nowhere. Okay. I don't see that out of Ojemudi. I, I, I think Ojemudi is solid. He's okay. a solid corner. I think uh, Matt Hankins on the opposite side of him makes it a very, a very good cornerback tandem. Geno Stone, very good mm-hmm. at free safety, but the other safety spot is in flux. Okay. We all thought Kayvon Merriweather was going to take it over, but mm-hmm. he's getting pushed. We don't know if that's because okay. the depth is better or because Kayvon Merriweather, I don't know. So question marks at safety. And then pretty much Iowa has committed to the yeah. four two five. So they got a cash. We call it the cash position. So kind of kind of surprising a little bit. DJ Johnson is the cash. Now, DJ Johnson was a very good recruit. Yeah, has he won the job basically? He has won the job. Okay. I mean, it's I don't think it's He's a freshman, right? He's a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. Um yeah. they absolutely loved him in camp last year and he got hurt. Okay. So he was healthy and on the or healthy enough to be on the roster but not play as much. So kept his redshirt. They liked him from the get-go. Okay. So basically it's they love him in this position. He's got to stay healthy. We kind of glanced over the defensive line a little bit, but Chauncey Golston and AJ Epinesa mm-hmm. are in the team picture as far as tandem defensive ends in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I, Brady Reef is pretty good inside. Brady right? Reef played a lot last year. So did Cedric so, Lattimore. Lattimore. Yeah. So I feel great about the front line of the defensive line. There is concerns about the depth, and you have to have depth on the defensive line yeah. if you're going to be a contender in the Big Ten. I just believe there is talent there. John Wagner, big recruit. Noah Shannon, yeah. Davion Nixon was almost like we recruited him twice, once mm-hmm. on the campus and then one back out of the portal. This is a guy that had an offer from Alabama, and it was commented recently 
Yes, he's turned the corner. He's looking good. Okay. So there is something to talk about as far as the depth on the defensive line. I am very happy with the confidence that both the D coordinator, Phil Parker, and Kirk Ferentz have pointed out, but we also have to see this on the field to yeah. see if it's going to wind up being a thing. So I, like I said at the start of this, I think this may be the best roster in the West, but I still don't feel great about just saying, no. oh, this is your favorite no, in the West. I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. Yeah. And I, I think, and, and linebackers are good. Jaimon Colbert is it was, uh, is a returning starter. He kind of won, uh, the, uh, uh, position last year. They don't count Christian Welch as a returning starter. Which yeah, but he played a demand. ton he last played, year. He t- played a ton yep. last year and they got, they got a little bit of depth uh, behind him. One, th- one person I do want to point out is Amani Jones. That guy started out last year at middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen this. He literally got beat out in the first half of the first game last year. Wow, really? He was out of position that bad. Oh, man. They yanked him and put in, you know, and then it it wound up leading to to Christian Welch. Okay. How many players stick around after that happens when you're a junior and you've waited your time up to that point? Yeah, not many, but now he's transitioning to, like, a defensive end. Correct. Yeah. And his whole thing is he's got pop and he's got punch and burst, but his focus of the pop and the burst was not in the right spot. But maybe they've got a little more depth than as we a know. rush defensive end, yeah. where he has them. So number one, it provides depth for the defensive line, and then helps out, uh, gets Amani Jones in a better spot. So, okay, um, pretty in depth look right there. Um, overall, I do. I agree with you. There is enough here to feel very, very solid sure. about. But I'm nervous. There's nothing there to feel great. about. And the West overall, I thought I had a fairly good grasp on it. Until we did our deep dives and really studied up for these podcasts, I feel less confident about right now than I did before before we did the deep dives. It's paralysis by analysis yes. times twenty. Yeah, for me right now, we haven't even gotten into the uh, our predictions, which we're gonna have coming up in a very recent or very uh, uh, podcast we got coming up pretty quick here. So let's get on to the schedule. Yeesh, not the. <laughs> Most forgiving schedule no. on the planet. Um, so it starts out, you know, you get you get two games to start out with uh, Miami of Ohio and then Rutgers. You're obviously expecting to start two yep. and zero. You got so we'll start out with curb stomp. You got any curb stomping going on there? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go a uh, little revenge tour here. Yeah, and go Purdue. Okay. I mean, that's the one you look back at last year and you say, "How did we lose that?" Right? Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Um, that's funny. I. I had that down and I pulled okay. it back off, but I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, I don't think it's a big uh, mystery that the coaches are pretty upset at the performances against Purdue the last two years. <laughs> yeah. They know it is a it's one of those you know okay. red letter games, circle games, sure. whatever you want to call it. I have Rutgers down as the curb sure. stomp. Um, second game of the year, uh, first game of the year, Miami Ohio. I think it's a 21, 21 and a half point spread. Tick okay. points. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah. Iowa just looks like dung the first yeah. game of the year. It's just a, it's a thing. And um, IU last year, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And I mean, any they had a decent defense, but the offense should have looked a lot, a lot better, better than yeah. it did. That was a three nothing game at halftime. Gross. Um, defense looked you know good for for most of the game. So then that gets you into the third game of the year, which is at Iowa State. Yep. Um, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this game this year. Uh, this is uncharted water here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're you're running into a ranked Iowa State team, right? It is the first time in the history of the Iowa Iowa oh. State game, if if things play out, that it would be two, two ranked, ranked teams. teams. Oh, and I'd wow. like to point out that's on Iowa State. Okay. Yeah. Iowa has been ranked plenty of Absolutely. times in that game. Iowa State is finally bringing up there. Now, as a a non Iowa fan, I always look at that game and think. Iowa State wins more of those than they should. Yeah, that's BS. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think I I I was won seven of the last ten and four okay. of the last five. Okay, I, I'm, it, I'm, it, there, there it was must be a stick, time sticking in my head like five to seven years ago when we're they really won. we're really talking about probably further than that. Okay, since Kirk Ferentz got the monkey off his back, and it took him a while. You know, it yeah. took him till 2003 to beat Iowa State. His okay. record from 2003 to now. I think it's like 10 and five. Okay. I mean, it's not like he's eking out wins versus, but like you said, this is a different Iowa state team. So 
the whole feeling with the Iowa State game, tip, typically, that I'm used to is we go into the game, we're ranked, or we are considered the much better team. And there's very little to win. That's not the case this year. No, they're going to be up for this game, right? Well, and if we should lose to Iowa State, it's just... It's not a big deal if you lose. Okay, it's not as big a deal, is it? Because, first of all, it's not a conference game. It's not a conference game. So, I mean, who cares? I mean, I care. I I don't want to lose to Iowa State, but am I crazy to think it hurts more to lose to a shitty Iowa State team than a a 22nd ranked Iowa State team? Of course it does. Okay, and I guess that's my thought process. By the way, come check with me in about three weeks before that game. Something tells me I'm going to feel a little bit uh, you know, All right. more worked up for the game. So who do you got for biggest game of the year? I'm going Penn State Okay, at home. Penn All State, right. this is a game, I, th- I mean, it's going to be a really close uh, uh, line here, right? Yeah. One way or the other. Penn State will be favored. You think Penn State I will be? I think so. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. But, you know, they kind of broke the hearts of Hawkeye fans last time they were in town. You got to get that back. They've broke the hearts of Iowa fans last two times they've played. Okay. One on the road, one at home. Um, you know, to, something to kind of point out, like, through the schedule. My Ohio Rutgers at Iowa State, home versus Middle Tennessee State, which, by the way, I'll just take my little foray. That's my scariest game of the year mm. is Middle, Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee, huh? Yeah. You got to know the Iowa history, right? This is the game that they look like <sighs> crap. And, and this has got a let-down-look-ahead sandwich to it because uh, – um, uh, there is a buy between Iowa State and Middle Tennessee State, so that helps. Yep. But you still got whatever comes of the Iowa Iowa State game. You got to come down off of that, play Middle Tennessee State before you go on the road to play Michigan. I don't know. I just don't like where that game's or that uh, is at on the schedule, especially when you consider that Middle Tennessee State was a salty team last year. Yeah, they have been. Um, so then at Michigan. Um, not impossible that they win that game. It's tough. And then home to Penn State. What is it about that game that you would consider the biggest game of the year? Penn State? Yeah. Um, great team from the East. Okay. I, what's 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 not big about Penn State? I not mean that that's it's not I mean, is big. It, do we know is it gonna be a night game? Yeah. Well, yes, I believe we do. And I it's mean, a, and it's a it's a, the jersey game too. It's when they're wearing the alt uniforms. Well, there um, you go. That's even more reason. I, I get it. I, I I mean it's a big game. I'm not yeah. trying to say it's not a big game. I went Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Okay. Um. So you got Michigan, Penn State, then Purdue at Northwestern at Wisconsin. If things are going like Iowa fans hope they are, you're very still mu- you're very much in the thick of things for the Big Ten West title at sure. that point, right? There's a there's a gigantic, cheesy uh, monkey on our back with Wisconsin. we got to get that thing off. I personally believe it should have gone yeah. off last year. They gave that they, game they away. They gave the game away last year. Yeah, they do have a monkey on their back with Wisconsin. That's huge. I like that. For me. That's, okay. that's my biggest game of okay. the year. Because as long as they're in the thick of things with the Big Ten West race at that point, you beat Wisconsin, you've – You've got a big momentum going sure. into the rest of the year with Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska at the end. So I am assuming that Iowa is still in the hunt. If they are okay. still in the hunt when they play Wisconsin, that's the biggest game of the year. Okay. Did you say a scariest game? I have not said my scariest. Go for it. This one was tough to pick. Okay. I'm going, you know, Northwestern is so pesky, right? They have they lost to him last year. It seems like they always have trouble with them. Yeah. They're going to go on the hey, road. by the way, a lot of teams have troubles with Northwestern. I know, but they're going to go on the road and get caught in the Fitzy Vortex. Yeah. That's my scary game. Okay. I just don't – I feel like calling – It's hard to call it scary because they're going to be good. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's a that's besmirching Northwestern. I know it is. calling it a scary I – I get the – I'm doing it anyway. I get the sandwich feel to yeah. it, so I understand that. But, yeah, I just couldn't go that route for, for scary. So, over-under is at seven and a half. What you got? I'm going over on the seven and a half. Yeah. I see an eight and four or nine and three team, I think. Me too. So I think I'm I'm not hammering the over, but I like the over there. Not hammering the over, but if you if you put a gun to the proverbial head, I'm definitely choosing the over seven point five yep. with that. Okay. That finishes up the Iowa Hawkeyes. That brings us to sadly, kind of sad, our last team. Because I love A little days. bit. Yeah. But I'm kind of spent. Yeah. <laughs> Well, i tell you one thing. I'm glad we don't get four more teams in the league. How about it? Last up, the Michigan Wolverines. Last five years, 
43 and 21, which works out to basically a nine and four record. Uh, they have been, they have gone 10 and three, three times yeah. in the last five years, last year, 10 and three as well. I don't know if you heard of their coach out there. If you're khaki the pants, Jim Harbaugh, khaki pants. So Harb's been there for a little while. Um, I, I get the, I, the overall thing that I'd like to say about Jim Harbaugh is that um, the amount of attention that he gets, it, it's it's overdone both negatively and positively. Yeah, it is. Like it, he gets too much crap thrown his way, and and and. and I, I, to be honest with you, I guess now that I say it out loud, I don't know how much positive vibes he gets. He did initially, that. though. Right. Remember, initially, like, everyone was so excited. This amazing yeah. coach. And he brought a lot of that on himself. But there was a Michigan fan I follow on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. But he's like, how, how does Jim Harbaugh do this? He is both overrated and, and underrated. And underrated at the at same the, time. Like, how is it possible right. that he pulls this off? Um, anyways. Defensive coordinator. Don Brown in his fourth year. So we know about that, but there has been some defections from the, yeah. from the uh, uh, defensive staff. So I don't know, something to just kind of look sure. out for. I mean, uh, I, I believe Don Brown deserved a ton of the uh, credit last year, but you can't tell me that. I think he's too stubborn personally. And, and are we basing a lot of that on his refusal to get out of man coverage in the Ohio state? Yeah, game? that's a lot of it. But I mean, isn't that enough? Like, you know, that's, you knew it wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure if you talk to most coaches, they would say, you don't just, you don't just, yeah, that may be you know, true. Switch in the middle of a game. You gotta, you and gotta maybe we're getting too deep into Don Brown here, but I think he's too aggressive for a Michigan defensive coordinator. But man, that aggressiveness, when it works, it is destructive. Yeah. It, it is amazing when they're playing competition that's not as talented as them. Okay. Um, on the other side of the ball, though, this is where the offseason news and uh, has gone, which is the hiring of Josh Gaddis. So formerly of Alabama, but as far as Big Ten roots, formerly of Penn State and yep. working under uh, James Franklin. Um, th- this is this really is quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Pe- there are people that just flat out do not believe that Jim Harbaugh is going to let Josh Gaddis call the plays. Oh, he is. I've, I agree. There's no doubt. That's that's not a question to me. No. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, I'm really proud of Khaki Pants for deciding, you know what? I need to step back here. Okay. I, I need Did, to. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. No, I'm proud that he's giving up play calling because I, I it looks it would look very tough to me to be both a head coach and a play caller. Yeah. People talk about how calling offensive plays is the toughest thing to do in all of football. Yeah. Um, with that being said, Josh Gaddis has no play calling experience. Well, there's okay. You bring that's a good point. I'm just proud of him for for letting this happen, letting something happen, for changing, for seeing that he needs to make a change. Does 25th in the S and P for offense denote we definitely have to make a change? I think so. Yeah. 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 I think. I okay. You don't so you don't think that their offense needed to to change it up a little bit to to modernize as they call it and and start playing a little more up tempo and scoring more points. They had a hard time scoring points against Notre Dame. Yep. Outside of that, <laughs> they scored plenty of points. But you know that Ohio State they, is they they, they averaged thirty five point two points per game. That's twenty first in the country. Okay. Okay. And now, so you're you're but, but, you're anti-changer. You don't think he should have changed. It I, I know that my Iowa roots is probably what people think is playing it. I am playing just a little bit of devil's advocate with this. When you look back on the Ohio's, this is all this is all off the Ohio State loss, right? Yes. Most of the change that happened was we got to find a way to beat Ohio State. Absolutely, and they do. The offense wasn't the issue last year versus Ohio State. It yeah, was it the was defense. But but you know you're gonna have you're gonna be in a you're gonna go up against an Ohio State team every year that's gonna have enormous firepower on the offensive side. You've got to keep up with that. Okay, so we are basically saying this is pretty much all wrapped around keeping up with Ohio State. Yes, it is. Okay, something I found interesting. Now we as we work ourselves into the offense, Shea Patterson. And can I stop you? One other thing is they have great talent. But it's not quite as good as Ohio State. They get out talented by Ohio State. 
So you got to switch it up. You got to you got to try to keep up. I'm going to disagree with that. Okay. This year, I'm going to look at 2019. I'm saying overall. Yes, overall. Yeah. Everybody's in a back. Everybody is. Ohio State. Yep. Probably all but two teams in the country are behind Ohio I agree. State. I'd like to point that out. I agree, but th- nothing matters if they don't beat Ohio State. That's true. And that's the conundrum that Michigan fans and Jim Harbaugh is in. Yeah. Shea Patterson. Um, I still have yet to just fall deeply in love with this guy as but a quarterback he, in football. Okay, player. but th- don't you think this offense fits him better? So you know what I know it's crazy is Big Ten Network when they were in Michigan, mm-hmm. they interviewed Shea Patterson. By the way, weird dude. Just a little weird. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say things like that, but that's my okay. thoughts after. Anyways, but they asked him about how you feel about Josh Gaddis and the new offense. You know the first thing he said? No. I was just fine with last year's offense. Ooh. How do you feel about that? Wow. That, that's, I don't Would you want to hear that if you were a Michigan fan? I don't feel good about it. No. Then he did talk about, you know, parts that he did like about the offense. Okay. Um, I am I am just really conspiracy theorizing this thing a little bit, but I really want to see this Josh Gaddis thing happen first to me. It's going to be interesting. I feel like he has, he has gotten a lot of praise and I kind of see Locks's point of view, as we talked about in previous podcasts. There's there's a little bit of friction between Loxley and his former pupil of Josh Gaddis. Um, I'm not exactly sure where all of this praise is coming from, other than it does seem to be from people that were close to him. Loxley or Franklin? Well, he he was under Loxley at, at Alabama. Oh, at Alabama. Okay, yeah. Franklin there, too. But sure. it, the, the friction seems to be. Okay. And what Locks pointed out was is that he didn't call the plays. That's right. Okay. And then, and okay. then Gaddis said, well, who wrote? the game plan for these. That's so, right. No doubt that there is talent there. I'm just saying there is a difference between having talent during the week, looking at film and putting a game plan together and talent calling plays. It's two different things. It would be like the difference between a, being a good sales guy and a good manager. Mm-hmm. I think there are two different things going on here. We don't know yet sure. if he's a good manager. Well, that's that true. Sense? And okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate myself. They didn't recruit to, to running a up-tempo offense. And, and their wide receivers are phenomenal. Donovan Peoples-Jones, yeah, Nico Collins, Tariq Black. They have studs at wide receiver. Are these the type of wide receivers that you want in this system? Don't you typically want a little bit of cut on the dime, kind of all your wide receivers look like slot wide receivers right. type of deal? Probably one guy to take the, the top off the sure. defense, which is definitely Tariq Black. I mean, he's a stud. I don't I'm, That is a little bit deeper – and the I don't know like the conditioning like there's totally different conditioning to go from what they were doing before to now. Yeah, I mean I think you can take care of that in the spring okay. and then fall and then the beginning of the schedule. What but... does it do to your defense, <sighs> dude? Isn't this this is? Do you think Donnie Brown is happy about this no, change? I do not. No, I do of course not. not. And and maybe a certain Madison defensive coach that left. Ah, maybe but now he's kind of in the same spot over there because he's not exactly playing. True. Uh, we you you can't skip over the Michigan offense without talking about the offensive line. Oh dear lord, this is the best offensive line in the Big Ten. Yes, it is, and I don't think it's getting enough credit across the country as being the best offensive line there. People keep talking about Oregon's offensive line. I'm gonna take Michigan's offensive line up against Oregon's any day of the week. I would take it just based on the two names, John Runyon. No, just on on oh Michigan, Michigan versus Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Oregon. But John Runyon does bring a certain uh, old school flair to the to the uh, absolutely uh, team. So amazing offensive line. We feel very good about Shea Patterson. The wide receivers are very very yep. good. If Josh Gaddis is a good play caller, all that's going to fit together. But we got questions at running back, right? I mean, they lost uh, Karan Higdon. Yeah, went to the pros, and Captain America Chris Evans went AWOL. Don't you think it's the easiest position to just find talent, though? Yeah. Like just in general, find, I mean, even Illinois and Rutgers have good running back rooms. Correct. I'm pretty sure they'll be fine at running back. Christian Turner seems to be having a good camp, and the true freshman Zach Charbonnet, which is just a fun name yep. to say, also has been turning heads. They seem to have some guys there that are going to be able yeah. to run so the ball. I've got a little Drew Michigan Wilson. insider here. Uh, he's Mish Sports now. Okay. On Twitter. All right. At Sports Mish. 
okay. is his handle. Confusing. Um, yeah, it is. But he's he's he thinks right, uh, Christian Turner is, is probably the guy. The guy. Yeah, okay. he's Charbonnet will play as well, but he tells me Christian Turner's the guy. All right. So again, if there's a position to feel not so great about on your offense, Michigan and, and running back, you're probably gonna work. And Michigan, if I'm a Michigan fan, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Switching to the defense. Well, can we hold yeah. on? Can okay. we stop first? Yeah. You know, uh, Khaki Pants said he's going to play two quarterbacks this year. <laughs> what with do you think Dylan about Mc- that? With Dylan McCaffrey. Being- yeah. Could you I- see a package, though? I could maybe see a package. So I asked my insider this. His reply was to me, no, LOL, never. <laughs> but then he even in- he backpedaled a little bit and said, yeah, he may have a package here or there. That's, but that's- but th- I mean, he said Patterson's getting the lion's share of the of the snaps. Dylan McCaffrey is talented. I, I, I is. believe that to be. Yeah. I mean, they've got a good backup for the system that they're running too. Sure. But okay, switching over to the defense. Um, it seems to me that essentially what I'm hearing from national media and just all the other outlets breaking down these teams, they just kind of assume, ah, Michigan's defense is going to be amazing again. This yeah. Year. I, they they see they see that you know the defensive coordinator is in place. They know that Michigan's recruiting rankings are good. I see what they're seeing too, but okay. We just talked on a previous podcast about if we did a top five sh- big shoes to fill mm-hmm. or big losses from the year before, however you want to call it. Yeah. Devin, Devin Bush. Bush. Yeah. Dude, that guy, what I think I saw a lot from the Michigan defense last year was a very good defense, don't get me wrong. But there were plays that most humans would have made around the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He made him three yards in the backfield because he was that much of a heat-seeking missile. Well, he was that. No doubt about that. Now, don't you think a lot of that, though, had to do with how much freaking talent there was everywhere and they just that the, the whole philosophy of the defense is to keep him free and let him – wreak havoc so they had two things they had the guys up front to keep them free and then yeah. they had the guy that was free killing people so are you saying you don't you don't feel great about the people that are filling in i feel fine about the people that are filling because i'm kind of with the national media i think they're going to be very good still i think they're going to be very good i i believe devin bush was that big big of a difference maker yeah but josh ross they, i'm hearing great things about him he's you can't replace devin bush but josh ross apparently is a damn good linebacker in his own right Another one that they want to get back to being excellent is uh, Kaliki Hudson. Um, he plays sure. what they would call the Viper position. Um, uh, amazing 2017 wasn't the case last year, maybe because Devin Bush was making all of the uh, plays. Um, I, I personally, I don't believe that uh, um, that they're going to miss. Uh, oh, God, I just forgot his name. Uh, defensive end. Um, oh, Rashawn Gary? Yeah, Rashawn Gary. I just mm-hmm. feel like. I don't know. That guy never lived up to the billing, but Chase. Well, he was no, he didn't live up to the billing. He was the number one recruit in the entire country. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't see that guy make. I thought I I believe Chase Winovich is a much bigger loss on the defensive line for a college football team. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Stats. What he brought to the table, the things that are tangible. Yeah. He was a leader. That guy was a spiritual leader. Absolutely. So you got the spiritual leader gone. You got the talent leader gone with Devin Bush. Yes, of course, there are guys. Quiddy Pay has been apparently pretty much unblockable, and he, there's talent there. Carlo Kemp, yep. also very good. I'm not trying to paint the picture. Aiden Hutchinson? Yeah. They got a transfer from Central Michigan. Uh, Mike Dana? Okay. I'm so, feeling pretty good about the defensive line. <laughs> and then there. we haven't even moved into the secondary. Probably the two best people on the defense. I don't know. You Quiddy Pay and and uh, and well, by the way, Josh Uche. Yeah, <laughs> there's another one. Sure, uh, but the secondary with cornerback uh, Lavert Hill and safety Josh Metellus. Yeah, great combo, right? Very good. Yeah, they got the three level thing going. I think they'll be fine on defense. I'm talking out two sides of my mouth. My biggest again. concern is the the change in philosophy on offense. What what's that going to do to the defense? All right, so that gets us into the schedule. Uh, I think if you did a poll and said who would have the toughest schedule in the Big Ten. Michigan's definitely going to get a lot of votes and might be the number one choice for toughest schedule in the Big Ten. you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree with that in general. They, okay. they get they have a couple um, – they have some good ones at home, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we'll just kind of go through the first little part of the schedule. Um, Middle Tennessee State, 
to start the year. Obviously, you would one would expect that to be you know an easy win, but then it gets kind of interesting after that. In comes Army West Point. Uh, yeah, not a team that I ever want to see on my schedule. No. If I'm a Michigan type of team, they get a bye week after that, but then they got to go to Wisconsin, home versus Rutgers to roll their helmets out onto the field, right? And then then get Iowa coming into town. Okay, yeah. So Vegas is going to have them favored to be five and zero through those teams. It's not it's not crazy to think that they'd be four and one after. No, that, that could be yeah, absolutely. Army could happen. Wisconsin or Iowa could sure. all nip them. What five and zero or four and one? What do you think? Um, I, I, toss up. I'll go five and zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So I guess that would let's go to curb stomp. Curb stomp. Okay. This one is going to be a little out of left field. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of that with the <laughs> these games. Yeah. Lately. So uh, don't. It's impossible to overdo Indiana Ohio State. So go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. So uh, I'm going to go Wisconsin. For, the, for curb stop because they catch him early in the year bad quarterback play even at, let's say it's Mertz plan it's he's still a freshman yeah. and they get a buy before him so it's not so much of a curb stomp as it's a cone stomp yeah there you Jack go cone stomp I'm going to cone and stomp. they did curb stop Wisconsin last year yeah now that doesn't play right into this year but I, that's interesting I'm going Wisconsin okay um I guess I went pretty easy on, on mine i went i went maryland deeper in sure. deeper into the year i just i don't feel like maryland's got the horses to keep up wheels could be off the wagon by then well off the wagon okay. by then I mean, there's been a lot of twitter videos lately just innocent bystanders sitting on the oh my gosh the wheels coming out of nowhere and just wiping them out. those are incredible i can't stop watching those there's one guy i don't he couldn't have lived right the one where it's, it's like going if it's a truck tire you're dead I would think so. Yeah. The one guy gets hit in the back of the head and then face plants. Boom, face down. The other one. One was sitting down, like it, playing. The, that one, I think he was okay. He just took the chair right out from back Oh, God, him. I thought it hit him. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like, my my uh, comment on Twitter was, I thought quicksand was going to be the thing we had to watch yeah. out for. It's, it's well, video wheels. games in the 80s kind of gave you that impression. It was qu- <laughs> The quicksand was the thing. Yeah. Right? Pitfall? To look out for. Pitfall, yeah. Oh, God, great game. I'd play Pitfall right now. You Give me that. Um, okay, so... Uh, curve stop. I had Maryland. Okay, biggest games Ohio State, right? I Obviously, mean, it's, just, I, it's hard to even really talk about it. But, but then I'm gonna throw. I'm I'm not doing Ohio State just because it's too easy. I'm gonna say Michigan State just because I think Michigan State is stacked. Okay. So Michigan fans will never admit that the Michigan State game is as big of a game as the Ohio State game. I and I'm admitting that. that Ohio State's bigger. It's just boring to say that. Okay, I get it. I just can't get around it because of all the things going into that game. If we haven't talked about this a bunch on this podcast, but people love to just rant and talk and talk about, Oh my God, is Jim Harbaugh going to beat Ohio state? It is. It is a thing. If he does not beat Ohio state, maybe because he hasn't beat him yet. Maybe that I should still just go ahead and choose that as the the biggest game. I, I tell you one thing. Jim Harbaugh thinks that's the biggest game on the schedule. I can pretty much guarantee you that. I'm going Michigan State. <laughs> uh, scariest game? I think it's easy, right? Any, oh. I uh, had to have, but I had Indiana's Indiana. a good one, too. You want to talk about a sandwich game. That is – I don't know. Sometimes with the Big Ten schedules, how they set this up, they've got Michigan State on November 16th, next weekend at Indiana, and then home versus Ohio State. Yeah. Yikes. They're going to look like crap in that game. And – I have heard a prominent Michigan figure uh, covering Michigan, not not within the program, say Indiana's beating Michigan this game. Really? I don't, a, be- I don't believe it. It's a scary game. I, we, we just broke down it's definitely a scary game. podcast. That is a team that has enough there to challenge a team like Michigan. They do. Especially when you especially get the down look ahead. Deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I like that. Good yeah. pick. Um, and then just something to point out, pretty crazy that on uh, – uh, October twenty or October nineteenth, they're at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Huge game, obviously. Yeah, the Penn State Michigan game always seems to be a really coming good off game. that tough game at Illinois. <laughs> yep, tough, coming off the tough game against the against the Fighting Illini. Then uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. End of October. It's weird that they. What's with no, What's with Notre Dame getting these Big Ten teams? I don't know. Late because they did fall? that with Northwestern last year. Isn't that nuts? It's, it's strange. How I don't did like this it. Work out like that. I don't like it. That's odd. They should be playing like they did first first game of the year last year. One of the first three weeks is when they should be playing this game. Crazy. Don't like it. Don't like it either. But that's another game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Notre Dame is going to be good. 
this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. I think there's a chance they'll be as good as they were last year and they made the college football playoff. Yep. I am shocked to hear how many people. And again, I don't know where this stuff comes from. It's not a, a knock against Michigan. I have not heard one person pick Michigan to lose that game. Everybody's picking Michigan to win that game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough one. Why? What are we looking at here? I mean, at least they get them at home. but Right? I don't know. I just find that crazy. So, over under, I've got at 10.5. 10.5? Or do you want to go 10? I've seen both. I, I'm going under on both. Really? Yeah. I'm definitely going over or under on 10.5. 10 yep. seems about right, but I think the reason you're thinking under is because Army at Wisconsin, Iowa at Penn State, Notre Dame yeah, versus Michigan State. Scary game at Indiana. Brutal. And then Ohio State. Is it crazy to think they would wind up 8-4? and four? Not at all. This is That's why I'm going under. Insane schedule. Yeah. I think I'm going to go under, too. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that wraps up both the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. Got anything to add, buddy? Uh, let's see. Tomorrow's end of, end of the team podcast. Tomorrow's Next podcast. Football. Yes. Tomorrow's football. Tomorrow is football. We should be dropping this on Friday, yeah. and Saturday should be week zero. That's insane. Yeah. I think, by the way, we've said live football is coming in the last four podcasts, but we finally we're getting closer. <laughs> this is there. And then the next podcast we are going to do in some capacity uh, our predictions yep. for the Big Ten race, which we're struggling with, yep. and we're going to get that on we hope to bring a guest on we won't uh, uh, announce it yet but we think we're going to have a guest on so that will be the last basically off-season podcast yeah and then we do preview and then we'll do our first preview will be next week game yeah preview for week one because all 14 teams are playing out of conference yes sir okay tell you that preview one that's a lot of work that i haven't even started yet yeah it is picking the each individual game yeah i don't know there's times where i'm i'm I might just do the proverbial, like, um, have my son pick a color or something. I'm, I, I don't know where to well, go. Well, there's certainly, when you get into it far enough, there certainly gets to a point where you're like, does it even matter anymore? I'm overthinking this. Correct. Just pick one just and pick move one. on. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much at that point yeah. right now. So that's all I got. That's all I got. All right, I'm Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.